Hey, it's great having you back here with us again today. We are going to continue looking at the meals of Jesus, and we're in Luke 7. I'm going to start with verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, If this man was a prophet, he would know who he's touching him, and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. I want to pause right there. Um, he's calling her a sinner. Again, we saw this last week, changing others to sinners and just really passing that judgment. It's just a couple verses before then, um, when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says in verse 33, For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. You said, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you said, Here's a glutton and a drunken, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. They were always trying to throw shade on Jesus and who he's associating with. They wanted the undesirables, the untouchables, the uh, unclean to be associated with Jesus. And I would say, when he says, here's a glutton and a drunkard, um, both the Pharisee and Jesus would have recalled that in Deuteronomy 21, it said, and for the son that is, eats too much and drinks too much, he should be stoned. I think they were threatening Jesus. And I think this meal was trying to get him back in line. Continuing, in verse 40, it says, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured out perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So this story starts out a little bit differently than last week's story. Last week we talked about how Jesus was hanging out and eating with a bunch of people that maybe he shouldn't have been, according to the standards of the day. He was hanging out with a bunch of people that the the Pharisees considered sinners. And in this story this week, he's hanging out at the house of a Pharisee. He's hanging out at the house of a Pharisee, and he's reclining at the table, He's probably hanging around other people that are Pharisees. And these were the holy people. These are the religious people of that day. 
And then this lady comes and in verse 37, it says a woman in, ta- in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, right? A lady that probably the whole town knew was a sinner. She found out that Jesus was at this house. So she went with a jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet crying. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. This wasn't a random encounter that she didn't get invited to this party and just happened to be here. She found out the son of God was there. Something to consider here is the cultural importance of meals. Um, Back in Jesus' time, meals were incredibly important to societal life. Like, for instance, um, you would have meals and you'd share meals with people and you were told to be hospitable. But even when we are setting the standards for what makes a good elder in the church, in Titus, Paul gives all these qualifications of what makes an elder. He ends with, uh, in Titus 1.8, where he says, uh, he must enjoy having guests in his home. It was very important for that to be seen as um, part of being an elder. Leanne's dad uh, was an elder that if you ever visited their church and it was your first time, he would take you out to eat. Like uh, He and uh, mom would take you out and they would show you hospitality because they wanted you to feel good about that. Some of you may recall that there was a time where Paul had to call Peter out. It was all over a meal. Peter would eat with certain people and not with certain people, and he would kind of wish-wash back and forth. And Paul's like, what are you doing? You've got to stop this. Be consistent. Be more Christ-like. And it was because of the importance of meals. A last example that I can think of is in uh, 1 Corinthians, um, Paul is kind of confronting sin in the church. A man was sleeping with his stepmom, and uh, he kind of really lays into him how terrible it is. And as he's disciplining him and telling him why you can't do this, he's saying, now, I'm judging you because you're a believer. It's not, if you're not a believer, yep, I get it, you're going to do non-believing things. But as a believer, I'm holding you accountable. And I don't want you even to eat with him because the meals were just seen as that important. Um, So when we have this meal and we can see the Pharisees laying it out, there was an agenda, no doubt. Um, And this woman that came in and crashed the party was not a welcomed guest. Yeah, the holy people that should have been excited that a woman who was a sinner was wanting to be around Jesus weren't excited about it. They were actually trying to keep her away from Jesus. And then Jesus tells this story about a a creditor who had two debtors that owed different amounts. One owed 500 and the other 50. And, And in that story, both debtors were forgiven. I think the reason sometimes that we try to keep people that need Jesus away from Jesus and the reason that these Pharisees wanted to keep this lady away from Jesus. Is we forget that we're both forgiven. Both sets of people need Jesus. Both sets of people want to be around him. And the difference is one group forgets that they are forgiven. One group forgets that they need Jesus' forgiveness. I like that because uh, we see her pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. Uh, she's doing the things that maybe the host should have done. 
He should have greeted Jesus with a kiss. He, he should have given water for the feet. He should have anointed him with oil. Jesus calls that out because it wasn't given to him. So we have this really um, juxtaposed position where the woman who is seen as sinful is running with everything she has, with her heart, to Christ. And the holy people who should be running to Christ are kind of pulling back and actually putting up roadblocks for other people. A good life principle is, are you spending time with people that are running towards Christ or not towards Christ? Yeah, I think it's interesting in verse 44, after Simon gives his answer to Jesus, Jesus turns to the woman and he, it says, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Jesus made it a point to make sure that Simon saw her, not what she did, not the wrong actions that she probably had, not a reputation, not what people said about her, but he made sure that he saw who she was. And I think sometimes we can have that same mentality, just like the Pharisees had, that when we look at our community, we can just see all of the things that are going wrong and all of the bad decisions and all of the sins that we see that are apparent in people's lives. And that's the lens that we look at the people that we're around every day instead of looking for the people that are running towards Jesus. So like there's only two possibilities here, right? Like you either are seeing people and you're helping them get to Jesus or you're seeing actions that you don't like, you're seeing behavior that you don't like, and you're making it more difficult for those people to find Jesus. Yeah, when you look at your community, do you have any unbelievers in your group, in your community, in your neighborhood? Maybe we're just not looking for them. And when we see people that are running towards Jesus or are looking for him, do we see those as opportunities to help, to reach out, to make it easier for them to take a step towards Jesus? Or do we see them as an inconvenience and sometimes just interrupting our time with our Christian friends, just like this Pharisee was in the beginning of this story? So this week, as we get ready for Sunday, think about that. Think about, man, who in my community, who in my world, who in my life right now do I know they're trying to get to Jesus? And, and maybe think, am I helping them? Or do I see them as kind of just an inconvenience? Hope you're having a great week, and we're looking forward to seeing you on Sunday.